You are listening to Sana Sana Podcast with Adriana and Adriana. Sana Sana is a queer feminist podcast that promotes healing and normalizes mental health. Hey, Ranitas. Welcome to Sana Sana. It's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. It's been over a year since we produced an episode. So consider this your Sana Sana crash course. I'm Adriana, one of the co-founders of this podcast. I'm a queer Chicana Capricorn. And this summer, I'm celebrating five years in recovery. If you want to learn more about what recovery means to me, I encourage you to listen to one of our earlier episodes where I share more about my recovery journey. We'll make sure to link it to the show notes. Mental health is a passion of mine, and I'm so grateful to be here with you, Tokaya. Yay! Hi there. I'm the other Adriana and the other half of this podcast. I am a queer Ecuadorian immigrant who now calls Chicago home. And as someone who has been on a personal healing journey for over a decade, creating and sharing this space really encourages me to continue growing and working on my mental and emotional health. So really happy to be here and to be back. So we came together, Maitokaya and I, a few years ago to work on this project as a labor of love. Like Maitokaya sounds really about our own healing journeys. And so it's been really a labor of love for ourselves and our own healing work, our respective healing journeys. And of course, we can't really separate ourselves from community. And so we've been doing this as a labor of love for our communities. Uh, We do invite you, even though we've been done for a minute, uh, we have an archive. So visit our archive to learn more about us. All right, let's bring it to the present. Today is April 7th, 2021. And we just passed the one year anniversary of being under a global pandemic. Global Panini Press. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Global Panini. And obviously, like, as a mental health podcast, we thought that it was important to acknowledge what a year has been, how we've changed, how we haven't changed. Um, And so that's why we're back and that's why we're here. We're taking Sana Sana on a virtual road we're taking Sana Sana on the virtual road to check in with our friends and chosen family. We just wanna engage in honest conversations about our mental health, how we've been coping for the past year, and to really explore ways in which we can find connection and healing. Before we hear from today's special guest, David, we think it's really important to underline that we're not experts and we're not giving you advice. We're just sharing our experiences. This podcast is part of our practice and we're really practicing talking about lo que no se dice o de lo que no se habla and really trying to normalize mental health and just keep the conversation open. Yeah, I love that, Tokaya, because I think that continues to be something that we use the podcast for is to have those conversations. I, I feel really nostalgic thinking about how this podcast started and how our friendship has really bloomed because we chose to be bold and vulnerable with each other while also just documenting it, right? So this isn't easy for us either, um, but the podcast really kind of puts 
a positive pressure on us to practice what, what we care about, what we say we value, um, and that's why we're here. And I'm really, really excited to get into it, to get to the heart of this podcast by introducing our guest, friend, my chosen brother, our chosen brother, David, who graciously agreed to join us for our first episode back, our first episode of this year, 2021. And um, just wanted to actually say a little bit about David. So I met David in 2012, I think it was. Yes. Wow. No, no, actually it was even before that it was 2010 because I was still in grad school. So we've hit our decade uh, mark as friends. Um, I was like 30, 31, either I had, I was in grad school or just finishing up grad school. But I remember it was 4th of July when we met. We like met at a beach with uh, acquaintances of ours, our friends that we had in common. I don't even speak to those people anymore, but you stuck around. (laughs) And I really do consider you chosen family. You you have um, brought a lot of joy and love to my life. And I get emotional because... I don't get to tell you that very often. Like I spend a lot of time with you and have been a part of seeing your um, life blossom. And I've seen, you know, been able to bear witness to your growth as a human being. And you just mean a lot to me. So I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much for that, Adriana. So, you know, I'm a chillona. Um, But I do want to give you the opportunity to have you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are um, in whatever feels the most appropriate for this space. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, thank you so much for inviting me. Um, It means so much. Um, My name is David. Uh, I am a queer Latino cisgendered man um, here in the south side of Chicago. Um, I'm in Aries, birthday coming up. Um, Yeah, and I'm just, um, I'm excited to, to have this discussion with you guys, very much so. So, one of the things that the three of us were just talking about before <laughs> um, we started hitting the record button was really reflecting just again. We've been in this freaking pan de dulce for over a year. Um, and <laughs> we, um, each of us, have started engaging in our own process with the vaccine. Um, and I actually wanted to revisit because we were kind of just talking about what that process has been for us. We've all kind of been in different points along the road with, with deciding to get vaccinated. Um, and we, have, we didn't even start to get into that, like what, how, how was the decision for us? Um, but I noticed as we started sharing just even a little bit about where we were at and what um, the experience had been, we all started to have little nuggets of uh, revealing some of the emotional and mental components to to getting vaccinated. And so to really bring it current, right, and not gloss over what this kind of year has been for us, I thought that would be actually a good place for us to start because I think 
our own experiences with getting vaccinated, which is such a privilege if we think about where we are in, in the whole grand scheme of things. Living in Chicago, even having access to vaccines is very different than if you're listening to us from a different state or a different country. Um, but I, I thought that it would be a good place to start because I know that we've each had our own experience with how we've gotten access to, to the vaccine. I know we're in different stages as well, the three of us. So should we just do a little round robin talking about like what that's been like for us? Um, and maybe some of the feelings that we've gone through um, as we've kind of just been going through it. Yeah, I love that idea. And I'd love to hear from David first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I uh, have received my first vaccine um, a few weeks ago. I'm about to get my second um, on Sunday. Um, so very excited to be, you know, on this journey to to full vaccination. Um, I, I got the call from, from Adriana actually uh, notifying <laughs> me that I was now eligible and she gave me the number. I was able to get um, my vaccine right away the same day at uh, the United Center. Um, and the experience was really like intense in a few ways really because that site is, um, it's, it's run by the military um, and they have basically just this, uh, they've got these large military tents, a series of them that you're kind of just rushed through, um, through this very uh, efficient, quick process. Um, so it was a little jarring. It felt like a scene out of like contagion or something uh, <laughs> to be in there with like the National Guard, um, you know, doing these quick tests and then getting your, your, your shot in. Um, and it was, and it was really like, uh, I was telling you guys before we, before we started, it was really actually kind of emotional, um, to just know that like this, um, like I really see this as like a season of my life. And I think, you know, for all of us, it's like a season of our lives. And it, it really felt like, I, I felt the weight of that, like starting to end, mm. you know, um, so I think that was like the main thing for me. I'm thinking about all the things that I can do once, um, once I am fully vaccinated um, and just the th thought process of actually being able to th think in real terms about what you're going to be able to do, who you're going to be able to see, who you're going to be able to hug, um, you know, in the next few weeks and not in this like imaginary time in the future. It, it was, um, it felt really heavy for me. So I'm, I'm interested to see how the second one goes. Um, <laughs> uh, what about you guys? Thank you for, for sharing that. I feel like for me, it was a little bit different. I, I feel like I, we are still not open to everyone, I guess. And so it's been very challenging, at least for me, to get a, an appointment. So I was online all the time when they were opening up like new appointments, I was there trying to get them and it was just not really um, successful. And so I started to panic a little bit and started to just feel, you know, just a lot of fear and anxiety around like not getting access to the vaccine and really seeing folks outside that I'm assuming already are vaccinated be a little bit more kind of free in terms of like not wearing a mask and just being really close to each other. So I just started getting super paranoid and I 
was wanting that, that vaccine, obviously. And what I ended up doing was just last Wednesday calling my local uh, Walgreens to ask if they had any leftovers. So I called around 6.30. The pharmacy opens till nine. And um, the pharmacist was like, yes, coming over. Like we have one vaccine for you. And it literally felt like a movie. Like I felt like I, w- I wanted to cry. Like I just like threw everything and like ran out of the house. And luckily like it's across the street and I was there and I saw the, you know, the pharmacist who I talked on the phone and we were like smiling at each other and like jumping for joy. And I felt really like emotional in the sense of like relief. I felt safe. I felt like a light at the end of the tunnel. Like it was, it was really positive for me. And I was glad that I stayed in that kind of positive mentality because there's so, it's so nuanced, right? Access to vaccines and not, and like you're saying, Tokaya, like the context of living in Chicago versus somewhere else in the States or outside. So I just wanted to like, I was kind of drunk with COVID. I feel with COVID vaccine in a sense, because I was just so happy and like exhilarated. And um, I still haven't had my appointment for the second one because, because I was like a walk-in, like they won't give you an appointment. So I have to call four days before like the 28th, but I'm not too worried about it. I'm just, it just feels a relief to have had the first one. Thanks for sharing. I um, I could hear pieces of my story in both of what you were saying. And like, so I live in a neighborhood that was prioritized um, because of the rate that we have. Um, so we were prioritized um, last month in March to go and get access to the vaccine at the United Center. Um, and so... I thought it was interesting how even me making the appointment and even knowing that my zip code was prioritized because up until the weekend before I learned that, oh, I'm eligible for a vaccine, I had noticed I had kind of a bad attitude about getting vaccinated and not in like, I'm not someone who doesn't believe in vaccines. I'm not an anti-vaxxer by any means. Um, I am skeptical. I'm cynical of the government um, and very much a skeptic, (laughs) but I'm not to the extreme of like, and for some folks, that's not an extreme at all, but I'm not to the point where I wouldn't get vaccinated. Right. Um, I think I've been paying a lot of attention since the, the beginning of this pandemic. I still remember where I was the first time I understood that this was like really happening. Um, and like have been paying some close attention to it that I think it almost clouded the way I was looking at what it meant to get vaccinated. So I noticed that as information about the rollout of the vaccines was becoming more and more available, I was taking a very passive approach in part because I care so much about community and care deeply about prioritizing folks who have health conditions, who are just more vulnerable to to the pandemic, 
or to coronavirus. I, I was like really making sure that I was being responsible and not taking anyone's place, right? It, in my mind, I was like, I don't want to take away from anyone as someone who is in relatively good health condition. I'm in my 40s, so still not a senior, <laughs> um, you know, and um, don't have any underlying conditions that I know of, always had relatively decent health and strong immune immunity, right, in my in my body. So I was just like, oh, I don't think I'm someone who's prioritized. Of course, later on, I find out, well, I live in a community that is very prevalent um, geographically and culturally. I, I live in a, in a um, mixed demographic neighborhood that also borders um, Mexican immigrant neighborhoods. So that is a whole separate discussion about, you know, the inequities that our communities of uh, communities and communities of color face within our city and in our country. But I was just like, I don't know, really reluctant to get more information about when it was my turn. And a part of that, I think I, when I really sat with why I was being passive, I think it was about fear. You know, I, I think I was, I wasn't feared, I wasn't afraid to get vaccinated, but I think I was afraid to allow myself hope. I think I was afraid to like feel hopeful about what it could mean to get vaccinated because in my mind, and I still have some of this, like, I still think we're in it for a while. Like, I don't think us all getting vaccinated is going to like cure everything and that I am going to be able to run around without my mask. Like, I've been taking a very conservative approach. This is just the way I'm handling it. Not saying that's how everybody should handle it, but I've, I've been very conservative. I live alone. So social distancing has been very mentally challenging for me. Um, and, but I've taken that very seriously. Uh, wear masks, all, all of the precautions that we're supposed to take. I'm not perfect. Like there are things that, you know, I, I, I probably have exposed myself to more risks than not but I've done the best I can. And all that to say, I think knowing that there was gonna be access to the vaccine, I was too afraid to hope. And so once I really was able to sit with myself and under, kind of like interrogate like why I was so reluctant I, and I was able to identify that it was fear and that it was coming out in sort of like ambivalence, I was able to be like, girl, get yourself together and start to like at least keep an eye out or stay alert, stay vigilant to when it's going to be your turn. The moment I made that decision, it was literally like two days later that I found out that my zip code was prioritized. Wow. And so I was like, oh, I don't, you know, being the bruja that I am, I'm like, that's probably not a coincidence. <laughs> so like, you know, I, um, I made sure to make an appointment. And then I asked my friends, like, stay vigilant, right? So that's how I told David, too, like, stay vigilant. If I just, if my zip code is prioritized, yours definitely is coming. But I, I think I had a similar conversation with you. It was like, just stay vigilant. When I went to the United Center, because that's where I, I got mine as well, I had a similar kind of, I, I was freaked out, let's just say, like, um, I'm an abolitionist, so having anything run by any kind of police or military authority just has so many feelings packed into it. Um, the three of us are part of a reading club, and last year we read a book called Severance, 
if you have not read that book, I don't, it's an excellent book. And I also don't necessarily recommend it if <laughs> you are, you know, someone who wants a break from all of this. It's, it's way too close to home. Um, it helped me process a lot of fear. But anyway, that's such a dystopian example of what could be. And so I think for me, when I got to the United Center and I was not, I did not realize that it was run by the military. That just really threw me for a loop. And so when I showed up, like I, I have a little bit of social anxiety. Um, so I tend to wear like heads, like a headphone or headsets that kind of help me. It kind of keeps me company when I like, I'm trying to get myself to get momentum to get out of the house. So I had, you know, I was wearing my headset when I got there and was listening to a podcast. And the moment I realized I was feeling a certain type of way, I actually told myself, take your headphones off and listen to your feelings, listen to your body. You know, so I did that. I took them off and I realized like my inner child was really scared. And so the kind of recovery work I've been doing, I've been learning how to reparent myself as a loving parent. And I was able to really acknowledge and honor that my inner child was freaking out. And I was able to show up as a loving parent to be like, it's okay to be scared. Tell me why you're scared, you know, and like really validate my feelings. And I felt a lot of grief because on one hand, I was like, wow, I can show up for myself as this loving parent. That's very natural for me. That's in me. And then I was also able to be like, that wasn't my experience growing up. I would have gotten scolded for being scared. I wouldn't have been allowed to be scared. I wouldn't have been allowed to have any reactions. I, I kind of had learned to stuff those feelings down and not feel them. Um, and so just grieving sort of like what couldn't have happened when I was younger, you know, like if I had this experience as like a 13 year old, a 14 year old, a 15 year old, how different that would have been, you know, um, and just being grateful to like, have also honored my wisdom around taking my headset off to really be present with what I was feeling so that I could like feel those feelings and not put them away. Um, and then being able to ride that roller coaster of relief, you know, when I got that first shot and been like, okay, this process is starting to happen. And allowing myself to feel the hope I was afraid to feel, you know, it just was like such a ride. <laughs> it's just like the first, that was just the first shot. I was like, oh my gosh. So. After that, I just got my second shot on Monday, and like it felt like so anticlimactic after the first shot because I feel like I felt the majority of what I needed to feel in that first, you know, that first half of the experience. And I feel like other feelings are going to start to unravel as we continue to write out this these next months you know because I think there's still so much that we're learning about what's going to happen as we all get more access to the vaccine wow I mean I'm glad I did not have to go to the United States 
That is all I'm saying. Because there would have been some news report. I don't know. I also didn't know it was like, a, obviously I knew that it was a mass vaccination site, but I didn't know that it was like federal folks there, that it was like army and all this stuff. Other Full than camouflage. After, after uh, I spoke with you. Yeah. I would not have been comfortable. So I'm, I'm glad that Walgreens was very nice to me and my inner child like wanted to jump and scream and have a lollipop afterwards because it was definitely, and it was in my community too. And I think that that definitely like centered me. I was like close to home. So I felt just a lot of a sense of safety, um, but I'm glad to hear kind of your stories as well. Have you all had a chance to share about what it's been like for you? Even just with the vaccine, like have you had a chance to share with other folks around like the mental and emotional sides of your experience? Maybe like a little like uh, surface level. Um, and then I'm also, you know, fortunate enough to, um, to be quarantined with my husband. So, uh, you know, we do share some of the you know, the burden of, um, of going through this with each other, which is nice. Um, but no, I don't think I've had any like deep conversations with anybody about the, about the feelings, you know, surrounding this. Agreed. I also live with my partner. And so we got into a conversation really kind of surface level and we haven't really gone in deep like this is the first time I'm having this conversation and I'm really grateful absolutely I mean I, th I think about like how something as I mean this this should be a common experience if it isn't yet it will be right amongst the world, like we're, we're all kind of going through this together at the same time, obviously through very different experiences, depending on like your access to resources, your family situation, class, race, gender, all of that, right? That all plays a, a part in how you're experiencing this. But the one thing we can say, we're all in the same ocean together. Um, and so I've been thinking a lot about like, these little moments that have been happening in the last year. So I don't think getting vaccinated is a little moment, but it's like one thing, right? And like, I did share my experience with another person, another friend who is very close to, to me and very close to my recovery journey. And we were able to talk about the mental and spiritual and emotional components of what I was feeling. Um, and share about that but I think that's only because I've been in recovery and like and how hard it is to like share about everyday things when they touch on you know mental health um because it is uncomfortable and it is vulnerable um and even being able to cry like in front of David like I don't do that all the time even though I've known David for a really long time he's family and you know, so it just, it, it, it kind of is bringing up sort of why I, I'm excited that we brought David into the show today because, so Kaya, I know you and I have talked a little bit about like 
how these conversations are still hard, right? It's not like it's easy just because we have a podcast that focuses on mental health, but like how it's an ongoing practice and it can look different. Like, I don't know what the last year has been like for the, for the two of you when it comes to like mental health, but like, what, how does, how does this show up in your everyday life? Like, what are the themes that you've started to see in the last year when it comes to mental health or conversations you're having or um, any like reflections that you have about the last year? Because mental health is, and I'm putting that in quotes, right? Mental health is like something I see in headlines now more than ever. And I never, and I work in that field. I'm like, I never thought I would see the day where it was taking up so much of the mainstream conversation and I still feel like we don't talk about it every day in the way that it's like applicable to real life. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally, totally agree with you. I think that there's definitely been extra attention on mental health and throughout this year and how, you know, folks have been affected, et cetera. But we're not really talking about the root causes. We're, I think that it's a conversation that's still surface and it's not really community centered, at least what I've read, what I've consumed. And that's also a reason why I wanted to kind of bring folks that are close to us and, and have this conversation. Um, so really interested to hearing from, from David, like how, obviously with what Michael Kaya said, but how, what are your reflections after this year in regards to something that you might have learned about your mental health or well-being and wellness? And, and, and yeah, what do you have to, to, to say about that, I guess? Yeah, well, um, to what you were saying, uh, Adriana, about how it's difficult to have the conversations, I think it's not just like, like uncomfortable to speak about it. It's also difficult to just process it and put it into words, even if it's to yourself. It's like, you know, we're living through this and we don't necessarily have the vocabulary for it, um, for what we're feeling, or, you know, we don't necessarily stop and take the time to reflect on um, the bigger picture of, of how these things are affecting us. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's challenging on a few levels, right? Um, for myself, gosh, I don't know. I don't know if I've like learned a lot, but I'm definitely trying to learn some things. Um, over this past year, like I've definitely like I'm definitely trying to learn um, to keep more realis realistic expectations of myself and not hold myself to like these ridiculous standards. Um, you know, I think like a lot of people, we thought that we were going to like come out of this knowing six languages and, um, you know, <laughs> be able to run a marathon and all of this and that. And like, it's, it's not necessarily going to happen and it's okay. Um, so I'm definitely trying to learn how to like forgive myself for not meeting goals and just, you know, um, be okay just you know, being quiet with myself. Um, another thing I'd say that I've like overarching from this experience um, is that it's, it's been really lonely, uh, you know, even with um, my husband, even with my fur babies, uh, not being able to have that close contact with family has been really difficult. Um, and then I'm also noticing that uh, a lot of my friendships aren't 
um, aren't necessarily close enough that we're having like these long phone calls or, you know, or, or connecting in that way. And when you kind of strip away what a normal social life would be for us, um, you know, going out to events and this and that, like when you kind of strip that away, um, it, it can be a little bit quiet. Uh, so I've, I've, you know, been trying to learn how to, how to deal with that and kind of, um, you know, reassess uh, how I treat relationships and, um, you know, fostering uh, that kind of intimacy with people. Um, yeah, so it's, it's still, it's still a learning journey, uh, I gotta say. Were you gonna say something? I thought you unmute that mic. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, thanks for sharing, David. I think you you actually touched on so, such big themes in what you just shared, and I kind of want to touch a little bit around like. Because it, it's been a year, right? Like the anniversary of the of the start of the pandemic was a few weeks ago, and so I feel like a lot of what you just shared is it, are like really big reflections on what you've learned in the last year about yourself. Um, and I think that intimacy piece is really like <laughs> I think that's the one that's like really sticking out to me. Because I think like my own understanding of what true intimacy is and what it, what like my relationship with it and like what I want um, in my life is all about cultivating intimacy with the people I love. And I think before recovery, I always had this like, this like, I, I would conflate intimacy with like sex. It's so cliche, but I didn't know that they're totally separate things. They're not the same thing. And so I'm grateful that I'm very slowly learning how to cultivate intimacy in the relationships that matter to me, but that does take work. And it's like a risk, right? Because like in order for, for myself to share share something intimate, I gotta like be able to put myself out there. It's just like awkward or a dork or like cry in front of my best friends, you know? Like that is, that's not easy. No, not at all. And I gotta say like, thank you so much um, because you have been somebody that's that's been reaching out. And, I, and another thing, um, you know, is that I've always been a little bit of an introvert. Um, but this pandemic, this, um, this Panera, uh, has, <laughs> has really like been a temptation for me to really, um, become a recluse, you know, uh, and, and not to reach out, you know, and just to stay in all the time. Um, so really thank you so much for being someone that reaches out and checks in and, um, and you know, helps me do do that work to to foster those that relationship. I think that what really kind of struck a chord with with me was you mentioning loneliness, because 
I live with someone, right? And but it was, and I've lived with my partner for like eight years. So we're pretty used to, you know, being together, et cetera. But before I used to go to work. Now I'm working from home. She's also working from home. And so there was a time in which we were just kind of stuck here, not stuck, but just spending every single time together in a very tiny apartment, right? And so it's this idea that we're spending time together, but there's not necessarily intimacy happening just because we're together, right? Or we're not really having, um, you know, special time or whatever quality time just because you're together. And so it was really an exercise of like, hey, we're disconnected here. Just because we're living together and together all the time doesn't necessarily mean that we're, you know, exploring that intimacy or doing something special or, or picking a special movie. So for us, for me, that was really difficult because I didn't understand why I was still feeling so alone and lonely and like miserable. And it's because I wasn't reaching into that intimacy and making that connection. So it was something that I really, I mean, obviously I talked to my therapist about it and it was practicing, like bringing those special moments back and kind of creating them in my own apartment, especially when we couldn't go out. It was winter time. Like you haven't, if you don't know what Chicago winter is, like Google it, you'll be scared. Um, I mean, it was tough. And so there was a lot of work that you had to put into it. At, at least for us, we had to put a lot of work, extra work into our relationship. And, and so that was, we spent a lot of time on that. And I also kept feeling like, oh no, like my friendships, you know, my acquaintances, you know, I do different like volunteer work and this and that, like, I'm going to lose everything. Like that's, that's how I felt. I was so scared and I hate my phone. Like I hate texting. I hate calling on the phone. Like for me, my relationships. And when I find that intimacy and connection with people, it's in person. Like and now, like sometimes zoom, obviously this being a situation, but most of the time it just is in person. That's just who I am. And so there's just, there was a lot of, of fear and I, I had to like be okay with it. And, and like you're saying, David, kind of reassess and, and, and have, you know, faith or whatever that after this, or whenever I do get to see X, Y, and Z, like things will be okay. And, and, you know, you'll remember me, but it, it's been the, the loneliness and feeling isolated has been really, really difficult for someone that used to like overbook my schedule, like all the damn time this, 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 and that. And I was always just active doing different things and, and what a shift it was. And it's definitely made me a little bit more of an introvert now. And I don't dislike it. Like I am am finding like different ways of just being with myself and being comfortable with, with that. And that has been such a huge learning lesson for me because I always want to be with folks and like share this with you and cook for you. And, and I just had to kind of find a friend in me, right? I feel like this is a Disney song that I'm singing, but it's true. (laughs) And that takes so much work. And for me, it it does. And so that's something that I'm continuing to work on is like, how do I cultivate that relationship with myself? I love that you're saying that, okay? Because honestly, I don't, I think if I have a fear, it's, that I would return to overbooking myself because I don't ever want to do that again. Like, the, not that this was a test because that's, this is a catastrophe, right? This 
this last year, there's been so many people that have died and have lost, you know, loved ones. And I, so I don't like to talk about it. I was like, oh, the silver lighting. Um, but we've all had to, like, find ways to cope and survive. Um, and I guess part of my survival of this has been understanding that like the relationships in my life that have saw, saw me through this last year are the ones that I really need to cherish and like continue to invest in. Um, and to your point, Sokaya, the main relationship is with myself and like I'm a spiritual person. So for me, that includes my connection to spirit. Um, and it's, wild because I'm like I'm a needy bitch <laughs> like I I require the most amount of quality time and so I think about all the time that I was neglecting myself before so that I could go to some networking stupid networking thing not to say that that's not important like I, I'm a Capricorn I care about my career right and I care about the work because for me my work and my line of work is all tied to my life's purpose but this last year has really helped me realize like I am someone that is whole with or without my association to what I produce, right? So I've been trying to let go of that as part of my identity, like my attachment to production, which is gross. And even if it's for good purposes, it's tied to capitalism. And I don't want to go there. But all that to say, it's like, I don't miss it. I don't, I don't miss the networking. I don't actually miss that many acquaintances. Like I miss people. I miss community, but like, I, I think this last year I have spent quality time with the people that I love the most. Not enough. Like I can't wait to hug the two of you and like um, have you over for dinner and you know, spend more like deeper time with those folks. But I think I've been able to share in ways that I wouldn't have. Um, and there's still more we can do around like deepening, you know, and um, that I can do. But I think I've learned a lot around like who I was, how I was spending my time before and how I don't, want to do that again I don't want to go back to that like life is short as we know so I'm just like man what was I doing and like why was I now that I have all this quality time that I devote to myself and to the things I love and to the people I love I'm just kind of like <laughs> I want to be I want to, I want to continue to be selfish with the, the time you have like, to go to that second networking event of the day. It does not have to happen. And, and I agree with what you're saying. I feel like I've learned a lot of what I won't go back to or what I won't spend my time with or, or, and stuff like that. Like, it'll be interesting to see it in practice, right? Theory is different. Like, of course, all the theory sounds great in my head, but in practice, it might be a little bit different. And I wonder what are the emotions that, that come out of that. But I, I definitely have learned what I don't want in my life and what I don't need. And 
And, and that feels really liberating and awesome. So I, I, have, I have two questions for us. What is currently something that is part of your day-to-day -day that maybe surprises you? And what is one thing you're allowing yourself to have hope around? Got to think on that one because uh, <laughs> more and more my day-to-day -day is looking um, like besides a lack of social interactions, uh, my day-to-day my -day is starting to look a lot like it used to. Um, I'm back, you know, physically going into work every day. Um, you know, my husband is, is also working uh, physically at his job. So a, a lot of our day-to-day -day is is shockingly similar it's just like it, it feels like we've jumped to some you know alternate future where we just don't have very many friends anymore uh, <laughs> so for me at least it, it is very similar to what i might be doing anyway um yeah i need to think about that I'll share, and I think that this is maybe a combination of both. I'm cheating answering your question in this, this way, but I think that one of the main or major like positive moments for me and things that give me hope is that the pandemic, Panini Palmera, has really opened a line of conversation between me and my um, my boss, who, who I have a direct report to, to talk about mental health, um, right? And at first it was in the context of the, of, of COVID-19 and not being in the office and, and all these things that were happening. But as we continue the conversation, now it's not necessarily related to that, right? It can be just, you know, I'm feeling this way or I'm feeling stressed because of X, Y, and Z. And I think that that has been so amazing to me because I get to, to listen as well and to be there for, for, for my boss in, in just a different way. And so I feel like it, it just allows me to show up on Zoom as myself, right? And has allowed me to do that this past year. And I think it's been such, I mean, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have a supportive boss um, because a lot of my life during this past year has been work, right? Like my work really, you know, revved up and there was more hours to be dedicated to work. And so it was just a big part of my life and to not have had that type of support or even someone to just talk to about, I am anxious about going back to the office and I don't wanna, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be anxious about wearing a mask and I'm scared and, you know, we're moving and there's a lot of stuff happening and to have that type of support has been amazing. And, and it just gives me hope that maybe you know, the conversations are opening and we are trying to demystify the conversation around how we feel with our mental health. So that's been, I mean, it's been, it's really been game changing and I'm, I'm super lucky and thankful because I know that this is not even the same with other of my colleagues and their bosses in our, in the same work. Right. So I think that that gives me a lot of hope and 
it's something that now during my weekly check-in, like we, we're always talking about how we're feeling and how we are and, and where we are kind of spiritually, emotionally, and just like in a really holistic way. And it's the first time I've had this type of relationship and I just am loving it. Nice. I will say um, for some things that I'm um, hopeful for, or at least um, looking ahead to um, are, are that I've had in the recent weeks, um, a lot of people start to reach out to me uh, and people that I wouldn't expect, um, you know, reaching out, checking in, um, you know, getting their feelers out for, for their, you know, um, post COVID life. Uh, and, and it, and it feels really nice. Um, you know, that, that, uh, like, I really do feel like within a few weeks or months, um, there is going to be some kind of return to, um, to togetherness, uh, and, and like a re-blossoming of, of some relationships, uh, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, another thing is, uh, that we haven't touched on yet, is I've lost a few people, um, over the course of, um, of this past year, uh, two of my grandparents have passed, uh, you know, my grandpa, my father's father, uh, died of Alzheimer's last March. Um, so it's been over a year. Uh, there's been no funeral. Um, there's been no anything. We have not gotten together on a Zoom call. Uh, so, you know, we as a family just haven't been processing these things. Um, and at least for, um, for my grandmother, my mother's mother, uh, we've got a date set now for um, a gathering to actually, you know, mourn together and, and to start to process these things. So I am, am looking forward to, and I'm a little bit nervous, um, of finally, you know, actually dealing with some of these losses that uh, have, have hit a little bit differently during this time because we've been processing them or trying to process them alone and it and it just doesn't feel real um so yeah that's one thing that's you know I'm, I'm looking ahead to um is is to really start that that process to to mourn and and start to heal and, and process uh some of these losses thanks for sharing that david i'm so sorry to hear about you know the loss in your family and i I just think about how, well, sending so much love for your family, period, right? It, it, that's just hard. That's so, so hard. And like, also like it makes sense and I understand why, like, it's almost like survival where we just need to kind of put it, tuck it away for a little bit. Yeah, yeah it very know? much feels like it's been tucked away for another day and and it's just it's been so long it's it's such a strange feeling yeah and how like processing together like grieving together is such a part of like what we haven't named you know that that is so so much of the the uh, like what's not spoken around healing is how 
when we do that with community, how like ancient that is, you know, like that is such a like, it's almost so natural to human nature, the grieving together that it doesn't, we don't speak about it until like we haven't accessed it. Um, and like you are naming like a literal loss of life in your family. I'm just really feeling that for you. Thanks. So Gaia, was were those the last two questions? You haven't answered them. Yeah. Moi. Yes, you. Well, I am a fan of holding space and silence. So I wasn't dodging the question necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess something that surprises me about my data. And this doesn't surprise me, but it kind of surprises me that it still surprises me. And that is, so as Chicagoans, like, I've always known that the change of seasons is a big deal to us, right? Like, especially coming from winter into spring. But I haven't experienced the, like, elect electric, like, 10,000 watt joy that I have felt on the spring day this like literally last week the diff like how I felt it in my every cell in my body and being able to remember like how spring summer and fall like just really turning to nature got me through a good chunk of the pandemic last year and then the winter like the winter was rough right so like I think the winters are always hard for, I'll say just for me, I don't know how it is for every other Chicagoan I can imagine, right? I mean, it's it's just kind of like part of our, like what, like what we all experience having that Chicago identity is like the winters are tough, but I think it just really took me by surprise, like how much that is the answer for me. Um, and so just getting really excited for like it just being so nice out this week and like getting excited for the summer. <laughs> it's like I like booked so many camping trips last night. <laughs> um, like I, I was telling my Tokaya David that because I got my second dose of the vaccine on Monday, I've been I did most of yesterday was sleeping. Like I slept. 16 out of the 24 hours or something like that but of the few hours I was awake I managed to book all of like my camping trips for the rest of like the you know the summer season and 
I don't know. It's just something so simple, just spending time outside on like a lawn chair, you know, a, you know, campfire. But even just like small things like walking my dogs around the block, like that is bringing me joy that I did not have before. Like walking my dogs outside was not the same like fun that it brings me now, like those little simple outdoor pleasures. I'm taking them. They didn't feel like a totally next level. And so it doesn't, it surprises me that it surprises me, if that makes sense. Because it's like something that's like so obvious, like the answer should have always been that. Um, but that has become like a really big part of my life that I hope never to lose again, because that should have always been clear for me. And I guess it's also, I'm cheating too. It's, okay. it's like also what's bringing me hope is like that reminder that like, Mother Nature always has the answer around like the seasons and the turning of seasons. And like, to your point, David, that this is a season. It feels like a very long season, right? Um, but it is a season. Yeah, and just like a phase, like a phase of your life, you know? Like I think back on like phases of my life where like I was in school and I was, you know, doing this and that, and that was like a total phase. Um, so it just, it definitely feels like a new chapter of life is starting, um, and the possibilities are kind of endless, which is, it is a little exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and we, and we also, <laughs> we also spent, um, the weekend just kind of sitting outside. Um, it was so beautiful and there was something just so like, relaxing and like rejuvenating about it it was uh, it was so nice it was magical and this is like Chicagoans having the first like 75 to 80 degree sunny day when we're all like hi high on sun I feel like on vitamin <laughs> I don't know but I right? totally, totally agree um that it for me just being outside and having the sun on me and not having to have jackets and just being kind of like with nature, even if it's just on Logan Boulevard, it it's, it's magic. Even though we have it every year, I feel like I forget. And just like you, Tukaya, I was just feeling so good about it. And literally every cell in my body felt that heat, that sun, that change of season. And I'm still feeling just relief. So I've been really trying to hang on to to those feelings. And I think that this could be a good segue to um, kind of the final part of the, of the podcast today. As, as we know, healing is a process and at Sana Sana we believe that we're doing the work to heal today for a better, healthier mañana. So with that, I wanted to ask you, David, how are you gonna be taking care of yourself tonight, this week? Um, aside from hopefully enjoying the beautiful weather that we will hopefully continue to have. Not right. Um, yeah, fingers crossed. Um, so we just got the garden in. Um, the, the, for us, every year the garden is like such, uh, I don't know, like a center point of our lives for the summer. Um, so I'm going to be, you know, definitely relaxing, watering that garden and just um you know appreciating watching this new life sprout out of the earth um i've also started a little bit of like casual meditation um Ooh, yeah casual 
there's no set schedule it doesn't happen every day but when it happens it's nice to just kind of um you know recenter refocus and uh you know just get take some deep breaths um with some intention and let go of uh of some of the stress so yeah i've got a very uh eventful next week um so this week i'm definitely going to be taking a little time um to slow down and just um and just refocus recenter that's awesome that's awesome and i'm gonna try the casual meditation because i can never get it right i do reading meditation um or kind of the listening one and i really like that but i'm very easily distracted so that's why meditation can be a challenge for me They've got this, um, that headspace on Netflix. I've oh, seen it. Like, it's on Netflix. Um, it's like 20, 30 minutes. I don't know. Um, I spend half of it with my eyes closed and it's just really nice. It's relaxing. Oh, look at that. Highly, highly recommended. Something to add to my list. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know it was on Netflix now. That's awesome. <laughs> so, how are you taking care of yourself? How am I? I'm going to also be gardening. Um, I am a budding um, <laughs> gardener. And I think I was definitely, I've been inspired by other people. Definitely you and your beautiful garden. I mean, that's epic. And so you might uh, receive some pictures of my little babies. But um, I live in a, you know, three-story um, building. And so other folks and myself are planning out our gardening and this weekend, we're going to do the weeding and cleaning up. And um, I just want to take care of my perennials that we planted last year and looking at other things grow and watering them and just knowing that I'm connected to them is has been really transformative for me. I was never a green thumb anything. And this just started literally a year ago. So I'm really excited to continue doing that and to, you know, get my hands dirty. Love it. I love that. Uh so healing. Um, well, I already mentioned I booked all my camping trips. So what that means is now I got to make sure that all that time off is updated in my work. Like I've gotten all of that time off at work. Um, but this is sort of like a continuation. I last year learned that if I don't book time off, I don't take it. So even beyond my camping trips, I am booking my time off for the rest of the calendar year because I really want to enjoy my summer. I want to slow down. Um, and so beyond just taking time off, I'm starting to think about like where I could shift my schedule around so that I can just have time in the middle of the week to go play hooky if I need to, or, you know, just like slow Love down it. and actually have a, have a summer. Um, so that's what I'm prioritizing this week. Just plotting time off. Nice. I need to do that. I, do, I have hundreds of hours that have not been used and I will not lose even a minute. So <laughs> I'm, I'm so inspired by both of you and I am putting time in my calendar very soon. Rest is important. It definitely um, is. <laughs> well, uh, David, just wanted to give you a special shout out. Thank you so much for taking time with us. Uh, tonight, just to hang out, geek out with us, talk a little bit of mental health. I hope this is, you know, one of many, many conversations we'll continue having. Um, 
And Sophia, it's so good to be back with you. We're back. I agree. Thank you so much, David. This has been so awesome. And I mean, just learning more about you and how you've been doing the past year and connecting with you in this way has been amazing. And I'm so glad we're back. I can't wait to see who else comes to the podcast and what we can drag out of them. Thank you so much, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Sana Sana Podcast, written and co-hosted by Adriana. And Adriana. Our theme song is by Alina Celeste. Our cover art features a photograph by Tanto Jensen. Special thanks to this episode's amazing guest, David. Join uh, the conversation. Guys. Follow Sana Sana <laughs> on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Sana Sana Podcast. And send us love letters to sanasanapodcast at gmail.com. Bye. Bye.